Today on the Day at Indy, the very first Day at Indy episode of 2020, brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers and TorontoMotorsports.com and our good friends at Bell Racing Helmets USA. Have someone who I wanted specifically to kick off this year's Day at Indy. He's been on every year we've done the Day at Indy, and he's been one of the first guests. My favorite crazy Australian right next to Will Power. James Davison, how the heck are you in the, I'm not even going to try and rattle off all the names on your entry, but how you doing, my man? Yeah, I'm doing well. It's fantastic to be back in an IndyCar after not 12 months, of course, 15 months. And my first experience, of course, with the aero screen, which is very impressive. And I think IndyCar have done a fantastic job of that. Why don't we start there? Uh, knowing that the last time you were in an IndyCar, it certainly did not have an aero screen. So luckily your team, Dale Coin Racing, has been active all year long, uh, put in plenty of races with Centino Ferrucci and Alex Pillow. They know what it's like. They have a feel for what it's going to do to the car balance-wise, air-wise, and whatnot, but... Super speedway trim? No, that's something where everybody was having to learn that today on the fly. And then you throw in a guy who, again, last time you were running around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, you didn't have one of these things in front of you. So for those who don't know about the difference of what it's like with one, tell us about that experience for you today. Then also some of the dynamic, the handling and setup part, and how that's something you had to work on too to figure it out. Yeah, sure. So... I really didn't notice it when I was driving. I could kind of tell just momentarily there was the halo there in the middle, but very subconsciously overall. Uh, the cooling was great. It was like it was an open cockpit. I had more than enough air coming in. Um, and when you come in the pits, uh, the mechanics obviously put a fan in front of you or up the top and and that does its job very well also so um yeah very happy with my first experience of the aero screen i feel safer uh which i think is a given um and yeah just a big hats off to indycar for implementing this uh for the better of everyone really um handling wise look i didn't do a lot of miles today i I did the refresher uh and then in the two and a half hour session this afternoon i only got out with an hour to go and did 30 something laps on one set of tires so my first initial impression is that i feel the right front tire giving up a lot quicker than previously Usually you could get, let's say, two, three free laps where you're not picking up on any push and you can feel like a hero leaving the pits and passing guys that have done, you know, 20 more laps on their tires than you. Sure. Well, at least today I could feel with what balance I had, which I had a pretty pushy uh, balance. Um that straight away leaving the pits, I could feel just leaning on the right front at, at turn four was hurting it. 
So let's see how it plays out and I have a better accurate read on it tomorrow after a full day. Uh, but chatting to Will Power, he said he thought his car was nearly the best he's ever felt it in this aero configuration since 2018. <laughs> so then again, that's not a surprise that there's a difference between, you know, the Penske cars and the vast majority of other teams, of course. So, yeah, overall, um, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty solid day. Um, ended in the top two thirds of the speed charts, uh, all three coin cars did and we were really no better or no worse than anyone else um maybe other than Pagano <laughs> I had deja vu of last year uh he was very quick he could just pass you whenever he wanted to but then you're trying to pass him on a wing and a prayer so let me be fair though you know it was for the first day of a one-off indie entry you can only get better, and and we had a solid start, so I'm I'm just happy about that. So your Dale Coin Racing with Rick Ware Racing, Bird yeah. and Bellardi. I had to pull this up because you know I wasn't going to remember all this. Uh, yeah, but then but then you you missed uh, Newman, Haas, Rahal, Letterman, Lanigan, Washer, and Dryer, and Reinbold. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with with Kerbag Ajanian, Marco Andretti, breaking news: a new co-entrant on your car on your car as well. Um, yeah, your number uh, fifty-one Honda. To your point, uh, even though you had a lot to learn and a lot to figure out, as did again everybody else. But knowing that you had plenty of work to do, you also had to get up to speed again, having not been in one of these cars in a little while. Um, it'd be really easy to expect you to be bottom of the list. You weren't, you know, 21st. I know you're not celebrating 21st, but 21st fastest though. One of the things that I, again, of the reasons I wanted to have you on here for first day, you've been doing this pretty crazy thing, James, of late in NASCAR with their racing programs with no practice, no anything. You've been doing this crazy thing of climbing in the car to start at least that you didn't really know and would be at tracks that you didn't particularly know and green flag go racing and you have to figure everything out in the shortest amount of time share with folks what that has been like and if and how that helped at all today knowing that you've always been a really sensitive handling feeling type driver you can offer really good feedback but you still have to just effectively flip the switch and go there's no time to fart around and waste a lot of time has doing that nascar helped at all with you jumping right in and being effective today yeah well to be honest it's it really just puts the cherry on top of how my career's played out and of course i jumping in an indie car with very limited miles and having to get on it is not something that's new to me of course when i substituted for Bordet in 2017 or um, I did my first 500 in 2014 that was a single engine program so that meant I started on Thursday afternoon practice and only got fast Friday in before qualifying so yeah on the IndyCar side it's what I know just having to get on it Um, but yeah on the NASCAR side I mean yeah, totally unprecedented. 
uh, obviously with the COVID-19 situation, no practice, no qualifying. And I had never driven a stock car on an oval before I took the green flag at Pocono in the Cup Series. And I had never driven Pocono as well. <laughs> and, New, and New Hampshire and Michigan last weekend. Just going and getting on with it. And I've been fortunate to drive a lot of different race cars in uh, IMSA, in World Challenge, GT3, GT4. Uh, NASCAR on uh, road courses in the Xfinity series. So you get an understanding, a very big data bank, I guess, for what race cars can and can't do and, and very quickly having to work out what you need to do or what you need to adjust in your driving to get the car around the track as soon as possible. And i got to be honest, taking the green flag at Pocono at the back in, in the Cup Series, I wasn't too stressed. I just had a general idea of where the limit would be and then just built up on it and didn't do anything silly. But I've been having a fantastic time in the Cup Series. It's a very different situation than IndyCar where there isn't the parity whatsoever. And that's something that I'm really enjoying being back in IndyCar because everyone has a shot. But in NASCAR, you know, like Rick Ware's budgets that I'm driving with, I mean, their budgets are four million a year against 25 to 30 million with the big teams. So, I mean, you're over 50 horsepower down. You've got nowhere near the arrow and the side bite, uh, the mechanical grip. And at a track like Pocono, where three to four seconds a lap off the fast cars. I mean, just incredible. We're getting lapped every 12 to 15 laps. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I got like uh, some teammates in JJ Yaley and Reed Sorensen. And I guess that kind of makes me feel a bit better seeing that those guys are in the same equipment, aren't driving off into the distance, but uh, it's a way for me to get a start. Believe me, I don't, like seeing me running 30th on the speed charts but it's the only way i can get a start and i believe guys like matt de benedetto and uh i forget forget the other driver alex bowman started off in a very similar situation like this with a small team so and that guy's driving uh driving the wheels off of stuff and and showing that he's the real deal so no it, it's a it's an interesting plan and again not blowing smoke here but you mentioned all the different types of cars you've driven. I haven't seen you drive all of them, man, but I've seen you drive most. And that has been one of the unique things about you and your career, but also your talent, because you would not be doing this if you were not good, at, if you failed at this. And that is big challenge, smaller budget, limited time, sink or swim. I mean, if you wrote an autobiography, that would be it. Sink or swim, the James Davison story. And uh, more often than not, you're swimming and paddling quickly. Tell us, James, about what tomorrow you expect to be like. And Friday as well, knowing that, fortunately, I guess, there's no concern of bumping. There's also a little bit of cup racing this weekend I know that you're fond to try and get into. Share with us your thoughts, how you shape the next couple of days so you have a great Saturday in qualifying, hopefully. And then don't really have to worry about anything on Sunday, maybe here in Indianapolis. 
Yeah, so like the Racer article that came out uh, a day or two ago that had uh, Pagano's en- engineer uh, expressing his thoughts and comments, I, I feel very much it'll be the same deal where it's just going to be super hectic and um, tomorrow is really the last full day that the teams get to specifically work on on the race setup. Um, so it's going to be really busy. I think there's going to be a lot of cars staying on pit lane if they can help it and just constant running to, to get in as much information and, and development done. Then obviously Fast Friday, everyone focuses on qualifying. It's a little bit of a different deal this year. No one needs to worry about not making the show. But of course, it's part of the Indy 500 event and tradition, sense of achievement, going big on pole day, trying to make the Fast 9, even just trying to make the top 20 like we did last year or top 15. It, it, it goes a long way, and of course, it sets up your track position for the race. So, yeah, it's just third. Tomorrow's going to be huge on race setup, and Friday's going to be huge on qualifying. And it's exciting. This is why we all come and do it. It's massively competitive, and uh, there's certainly a, a big sense of achievement when you do well at, at Indy, especially in this current generation of of indycar that just seems to get more competitive every year uh it's quite incredible so what do you do james in terms of trying to get the car in the show on saturday provided everything goes according to plan do you then jump on a plane asap i mean do you have all the logistics in in place to uh try and be at both Daytona and Indianapolis in the same weekend? Yeah, okay. So we've, I had the deal to do the cup race on the road course at Daytona in place before I had the, uh, the 500 ride confirmed. But with that said, it's the same group of sponsors that are involved with the NASCAR stuff, obviously, with Rick Ware and David Bird. And the 500 is our priority. I think there is a possibility that I may not do the cup race this weekend if it's going to compromise us too much or we feel it may. In an ideal situation, tomorrow goes great or the next three days go great. I'm happy with the car tomorrow. We get in the field nicely on Saturday and then the weather forecast for Sunday in Indianapolis looks terrible and we make an executive decision where, look, the chances of getting on track tomorrow are very slim. There's going to be thunderstorms. Yeah, let's go to Daytona. But if we need to keep working on the car, I'm not very happy with the car after tomorrow. And by going to Daytona, I'm going to miss two and a half hours of track time to improve the race car on Sunday. That's where we may just say, hey, look, let's just kind of step aside for the cup race it's not something that's career defining obviously the indy 500 is and um i'm going to be doing the daytona 400 uh race on the oval after the indy 500 on the next weekend so i've got 
a number of cup races left, nearly 10 on my on my schedule. So, yeah, just missing this opportunity, potentially missing the opportunity to race this weekend on the road course is something that I can afford to do. But if it's possible and all parties involved and Dale Coyne and so on are, are, are happy looking at the forecast and so on, then, yes, I'll, I'll go to Daytona. So, yeah, a little bit TD, TBD, to be determined. Got to make sure washer and dryer sign off on that too. You know, you forgot some of the other team owners involved here. <laughs> James, uh, let's close with, with one question here. So Santino Ferrucci, your teammate, he was tiny bit faster than you today was, uh, ended up what 19th fastest with a 221.9. You're 21st, 221.7. Uh, your rookie teammate, Alex Pillow, is actually quick like a bunny. Eighth overall, 223.1. No, we're talking toes and, you know, a lot of things there. But it seems like this coin team is one we should definitely be keeping in mind, uh, provided things move forward and, you know, speed isn't lost and speed is found. You mentioned trying to get into that fast nine on Saturday. Is that a crazy ambition is that something uh, you allow yourself to dream of feel that's real you know give me play play a uh, crystal ball guy here and tell us what you think the future might hold well in the end it's indycar and everyone's got a shot with what the rule package is and it's certainly a possibility but on the balance of probabilities am i going to make the fast nine being a third coin car against four penske's six or seven Andretti's, three Carpenters, three McLarens with obviously Craig Hampson in that camp, and then three Ganassis. Let's be real. The chances of me doing that are less, but it's not impossible. I think having qualified genuinely 15th last year, that is where I would like, I think it would be amazing if we could replicate that. But honestly, I'm not expecting that. I would be very happy if I can make the top 20. Uh, that would be fantastic. And, of course, over the moon if I'm in the top 15 again. But, um, yeah, just need to respect the competition. It's it's very tight um, in IndyCar. <laughs> I wish it was like this in NASCAR where everyone had a shot, believe me. Going to look forward to see how things continue to move for you with your team you might pick up some more team owners too that's the thing i I might be looking forward to the most uh rick hendrick we're going to try and get him in there uh richard petty possibly who knows we're going to pile on some more names you might be the only guy with 10 pit stalls for the race because that's the length of pit wall needed to paint all the team owners names so uh thanks for uh, making some time here james we're gonna go ahead and move on to our interview we captured a little bit earlier with max chilton talking about that amazing helmet design of his and also his hopes here for the month of may and then we will say farewell at the very end from cooper tires the justice brothers torontomotorsports.com and bell racing helmets usa mr chilton i'm telling you you kind of sort of blew up indycar twitter with images of a helmet livery 
that obviously you wanted to wear into victory lane last year. It's one you're hoping to wear into victory lane this year. Tell us about it because this is high ambition, my man in the execution. Uh, it is just exquisite. Well, thank you. Um, I wish I could say it was all my own work, but I had nothing to do with it. Um, it was all my, uh, long-term helmet painter uh, in the UK, Jason Fowler's creation. Um, I think he quite enjoys working with me because on the 500, I basically just give him free reins and every year he comes up with something which I love. Um, and he's he's a true artist. And I think when you let an artist, um, you know, have free flow, they always come up with their best, uh, their best work. My wife's an artist as well. And her best work is the stuff that she wants to do, not the sort of commission stuff. So I said to Jason, just come up with something you like. Um, maybe the Borg Warner would be a nice one this year. And he surprised me with this last year. Um, it's quite weird as well, because it's the first 500 his helmet he's done for me without putting a year on it. So maybe he just knew I wasn't going to qualify last year, and it's uh, it's it's worked perfectly to be able to use it this year. Because if I had 20, uh, 2019 on it and I was running it, the twenty twenty Indy five hundred, it felt a bit weird. So um, he obviously is a bit psychic, and you're <laughs> going to qualify last year. He can tell the future and paint. That's a rather unique thing. Yeah. So, um, but it's a it's a special paint. It's um, you know it's, it's it's all chrome. He's he's done a lot of chrome helmets for me in the past because I've used them for probably 15 plus years now and all my first helmets are chromed um but the thing which is special about this is it's texturized so it is it looks 3d but it actually is 3d if you run your fingers across the faces and all the names and the speeds and um all the all the graphics is it is actually 3d god only knows how he actually did it um i know he spent hundreds of hours on it um and that's i think why people have sort of fallen in love with it so hopefully i can do it justice and it can uh, it can go into the uh, ims museum once uh, once I win. That was going to be my next question because from the photos that I saw, it appeared to have texture, but knowing high quality artists, that's something that they can replicate through uh, shading and a variety of other things. Yeah. But the fact that it is actually textured, that's completely insane, Max. The other thing that jumps out too is. I guess it's good that this year we have the arrow screen because all the little dimpling and, you know, all the, the ridges and whatnot that might present 0.0001% additional aerodynamic drag. I'm guessing, I don't know, but tell me about this as well. Cause in theory, when you're done with the race, it won't have, it won't be pelted and beaten up like a normal helmet. So you should have something beautiful to preserve. Yeah, it's actually got, um, he put a heli tape um, kit on it because obviously last year we didn't have the AO screen. So uh, um, usually he, for the Indy 500 ones, I don't get him to heli tape it because I quite like the battered up look after the race. Um, but I think he knew he had put so many man hours into this one, he wanted to preserve it. So he did actually put the heli tape on it. But obviously this year we don't need that. Um, I've left it on there because it, it picks up little scratches and halo marks just from sort of polishing it and you know using it so it's fully protected and now it's got the halo screen around it hopefully i don't pick up any marks on it um but it's uh yeah it's, it's a very special little design um i think marco andretti commented i love it i can't exactly remember what he said but i think he said i love it um, but it looks about 60 pounds it probably is a bit heavier than the, the normal helmet um, someone else did say it looks a bit draggy, but I said, well, luckily we've got the aero screen that now doesn't, um, pay any 
ペネフペネフェットそう、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、いつ、